I would much rather see someone find find their way into you know one deep and meaningful and honest friendship than you know than join every small group program yeah. or discipleship group. And one of the dangers, and I've I've seen this in myself, is is thinking that unless something is happening as part of a program, it's not happening. Yeah. Um, and so much is happening outside of the programs. And even within the programs themselves, not to make them merely matters of utility. Yes. But actually that the programs themselves become vehicles for for those kinds of relationships. Yeah, exactly. We're often quite task oriented, aren't we? So that the, the aim of the men's group is to, you know, grow an understanding of X or Y or, or whatever it might be. And actually, no, part of the aim of that ministry has got to be building brotherhood. Yeah. And letting the gospel do that for us, but not merely just shoving theology into some brains, but actually helping some hearts be bound together in friendship. Welcome back to your Not Crazy Gospel Sanity for Young Pastors. We're so glad to have you with us, and we're grateful to TGC for hosting this podcast, and uh, we love our partnership with them. Um, we've met our guests today before, but we did um, scour the land to look for a young pastor and have found, again, Pastor TJ Tins. <laughs> doctor, pastor, pastor, doctor. What, I don't know what order those go in. Just TJ is fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> TJ, thanks for coming back and joining us again. Thank uh, you, brother. TJ is is um, my friend and brother. He's also my pastor. Um, I'm so thankful to be under his ministry and, and leadership at Emmanuel. So um, it's great to have you joining us again for the podcast. Thanks for being here. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? This is so great. Thanks for taking a chance on me, man. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a joy. Um, so the topic for our conversation today, which is what well, I thought it'd be great to pull you in for it, is friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly friendship for, for pastors, friendship in gospel culture, um, and when we're thinking about friendship, we're not thinking about something that is that is sort of theologically incidental. That's right. That's um, right. This is this is something that actually is is not unrelated to the, the message of the gospel itself. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we could this we could go so many different directions with this, but the, certainly the clearest um, indicator of what you just said theologically is John fifteen fifteen. No longer do I call you servants, but I've called you friends. And uh, the reason behind that, Jesus says, is for the servant does not know what his master is doing. Mm. So the disclosure of this is who I am, this is why I'm here, the why of my existence, Jesus is saying, is the basis of friendship. Yeah. Which I think I'm safe, it's safe to say, puts friendship at the deep end of the relational pool. Yeah. Um, so we're not talking about, you know, uh, like when you have friends on Facebook. Yeah, we may or may not be friends. But <laughs> Thank we're, goodness we're not talking about that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and so it is actually a gospel issue. It really is, and you know, friendship of of the Lord is is a key theme in the Bible, and for for God incarnate to call us friends, Amazing. is is astonishing. It's one of those verses that if it wasn't there in black and white in the Bible, I would never believe it. Yes, it took me a lot. It took me years and years to recognize what Jesus is saying here, which is that for Him. What makes a relationship into friendship is that disclosure piece. Mm. Um, I think I spent so many years of my life having friends that I enjoyed being around, but it was sort of a, a friendship based on we had the same hobby or 
we laughed at the same jokes mm. or we watched the same dumb YouTube videos. Um, I hadn't realized that those, those are good gifts of God that let's not sort of write those things off, but actually the mutual disclosure is what really makes a friendship such a deep kind of rich relationship, isn't yes, it? Yes. Yes. And I think that's why a gospel culture is a friendship rich environment. Because what else in this world can actually free us to say, this is who we really, I mean, yeah. the, the, the ask, disclosure is risky. And, you know, who, who else other than Jesus can free us to really disclose the true state of our hearts? Yeah. As I think about, you know, the gains that we've experienced by the grace of God in the area of friendship, they're almost directly tied to First uh, John one seven and honesty and walking in the light. Yeah, and I think y'all have talked about honesty here already, so I won't, you know, rehash that. But what flows naturally out of honest relationships with one another, with one another in the presence of God, and the cleansing blood of Jesus, you know, uh, cleansing us from all sins, um, is friendship. Because yeah. now I know you. Yeah. Now we can really have fellowship and even go e even deeper into the deeps of friendship. Absolutely. Now, I don't have to. I don't have to worry about you finding me out. Yeah. Because you already, you actually, you already know the worst things about me, TJ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you about me. Yeah. Um, we still stick around. <laughs> yes. You know, maybe that's one way of kind of differentiating between a, like a, a real fellowship relationship and a mm. friendship. Yeah. Um, there are, there are things in my past that haunt me. I wish I had never done them mm. or never been a part of them. And they're, they're like tender areas. And I remember some years ago, I was, I, I don't know what was happening, but I was deeply distraught about those things. And it had been years since they occurred. And I knew I was forgiven. Mm. And that was what was so, you know, uh, bewildering about it. I knew I was forgiven of them and yet I'm haunted by them. And here's how God set me free. I went to, um, I'm blessed to have at least four friends. I mean, deep friends. I went to one of my closest friends, which is my wife. And I said to her, here's where I, it was so embarrassing. I said, I don't even want to bring these things up from the past. You know about them, but here, here's, here's what I'm going through. And this is what I'm most afraid is going to happen. Hmm. And she said to me, well, if it does happen, I'll be there with you. Wow. And it just deflated that fear. Because I think what I most deeply needed to know was not just that I was forgiven, but that if it came to the worst, hmm. I wouldn't be alone. Wow. And that's, she was a means of grace to me. I mean, because that's who Jesus is, right? I was thinking yeah. about Second uh, Timothy 4, I think it's uh, verse 17, um, where Paul's describing um having to basically stand alone uh, in the face of his enemies. And he says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Yeah. And that's who Jesus is for us. Yeah. And receiving that friendship from Christ actually enables us to then express that kind of friendship to others, doesn't it? Yes. To be the kind of friend to others by God's grace that Jesus is to us. Yes. Yeah. I, man, you know, it's funny, like, it, it's so easy to take friendship for granted. Yeah. And yet, I think what I'm discovering right here on the spot is I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for friendship. 
Yeah, I I know I wouldn't be. Man. I want to be a good friend. <laughs> TJ, you are a good friend. Oh, thanks, brother. I um, hope so. I, I remember the first time we, certainly the first time we properly met. I don't know if it's the first time we ever sort of said hello to each other, but we grabbed, this is would have been about three years ago, I guess, when I was first starting to spend time in Nashville. We went out for lunch here in West Haven somewhere. Yes, yeah. Um, and I just remember feeling as though, A, this is someone I really want to get to know better. B, this is someone I feel like I was going through a rough time at that at that, at that stage and just sensed it was okay to say that. Mm. And the moment I did, I can still remember what you, you said. You, you were just so full of, of grace and understanding. I kind of feel like we became pretty deep friends very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of it was to do with that, that honesty and, and disclosure and yeah. Um, wonderfully that hasn't, hasn't changed uh, yeah. in the time since then. That's a great point. It's not like it, it doesn't have to take 20 years. No. In fact, I have many 20 year relationships that haven't gone into a friendship. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Th that's really great news because <laughs> it, you know, it can feel daunting. Um, if I, you know, I really like everybody, uh, I think, who has done some exploration on the subject of friendship eventually happens upon C.S. Lewis. Yes. <laughs> you know, one friend, friendship happens when one person says to another, what, you two, I thought it was the only one. And there, that is, I'm not disagreeing with Lewis about that being the case. Um, you, a mutual shared interest is yeah. a great basis for a friendship. And a friendship based on the friendship can't really be a friendship. It has to yeah. be about something else. So I see Lewis's point. But I think that's why we as Christians are just in such a great position for friendship. Yeah. Because what's deepest in my heart Christ himself, my best friend, yeah. is is also your best friend. Yeah. And when you and I get together and go deep in that way, actually, I mean, it's possible to, to create deep friendships very quickly. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I should have more friends. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can actually be remarkable. I and mean, I've had this even when I've been visiting other places to, to speak for a few days, is just already feeling a, a deep kinship. With a believer in a very different cultural context you've never met before, but you you're already sensing something of the the shared family status in Christ. Yes, um, that this is this is not just a nice person I've met and he we happen to kind of get on, but actually, no, you can feel something of our shared union with Christ. Yes, um, it's a it's a glorious thing. Yes, it is because you you know someone who in every other kind of metric you should have nothing to do with yeah who's <laughs> you got so little in common outside of christ and yet when you have christ in common that that is the deepest thing yes um yeah yeah and so when we're talking about friendship we're not we're not dragging into the, the, the gospel into an area it doesn't really belong this is what the gospel builds and creates exactly um you and ray a, a while back were talking about um our sort of flagship verse in Romans 15 about welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us. And friendship is another way of categorizing the welcome Jesus has given us. That's exactly right. Because it's the it's the ongoing welcome of Jesus is his friendship. Yes. Um, that's the sort of condition we have before him now. Yeah. And the friendship is on terms of grace. Yeah. It's, I didn't, it's it's not like I I earned Jesus' trust. Um, he took a risk on me, and 
I think if we're talking about the maintenance of friendship, then we, we have the best resources for deep friendships. Because, I mean, there's a reason, for instance, that the Apostle Paul says, bear with one another. Yeah. I mean, we're sinners. We step on each other's toes. I'm going to offend Sam, and Sam maybe will offend me. But I actually, I can just forgive. I can just extend grace, and we can just keep going. Yeah. And so I feel like we're in a wonderful position in our churches to have lots of deep friendships, you know. And I don't know if you've noticed this, Sam. You're much, you're further down the road than I am in pastoral ministry, but it seems to me, my limited experience, that oftentimes the difference between someone between church feeling like home and someone really sticking around and making it their home is not uh, at the level of theology or even at the level of like church, you know, programs and ministries, mm. but just one friend. Yeah. No, they can have lots of relationships, but that it's not actually a substitution for just one good friend. I think that's really profound. Um, I, c- I can certainly think of experiences where I've theologically felt at home somewhere, but not relationally felt mm-hmm. at home. Um, but it's it's the relationship the theology is meant to cultivate and produce, isn't it? Yes. So a church where there isn't a rich culture of friendship is a church that hasn't received the gospel in its entirety. Yeah. Uh, maybe you've accepted it propositionally, but part of the, the work of the gospel is to make our hearts like the hearts, the heart of Jesus towards yeah. one another and, and to a wider world. Um, so the, the presence and absence of, of friendship within a church is, is not a bad metric. It's not the only one for, for whether the, the church really does at a heart level receive the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I really believe in, um, you know, plans and programs and systems, organizations. I believe in institutions mm. and I want to build as strong an institution as I can at Emmanuel Nashville. Um, but also in addition to that, I would much rather see someone find, find their way into, you know, one deep and meaningful and honest friendship than, you know, than join every small group program yeah. or discipleship group and so I think part of what we do as pastors is we we have good systems, we need mm-hmm. them, but we also notice and make allowances and encourage those things that happen between the systems, that, yeah. that's what we're really after. I think so. One of the dangers, and I've, I've seen this in myself, is, is thinking that unless something is happening as part of a program, it's not happening. Yeah. Um, and so much is happening outside of the programs and even within the programs themselves, not to make them merely matters of utility, Yes, but actually that the programs themselves become vehicles for, for those kinds of relationships. Yeah, exactly. We're often quite task oriented, aren't we? So that the, the aim of the men's group is to, you know, grow in understanding of X or Y or, or whatever it might be. And actually, no, part of the aim of that ministry has got to be building brotherhood. Yeah. And letting the gospel do that for us, but not merely just shoving theology into some brains, but actually helping some hearts be bound together in friendship. That's right. And it's actually a a, a completion of the theology. Hmm. I, I remember recently, uh, my wife and I were walking, I won't name the church, but we were walking through um, downtown Franklin, where we live here outside of Nashville, and we walked past a place um, that does not preach gospel doctrine. Hmm. And I didn't even notice 
I actually grew up in this tradition, so I didn't even notice what was happening, but people were filing out of the church and not a single person was speaking to one another. Hmm. And my wife actually pointed it out to me. She said, Did, does that seem strange to you? Everybody wow. filing out of church and no one talking to one another? Actually, that is a reflection or a completion of the theology that was being preached that day. Wow. And in just the same way, it is, oh man, it's a wonderful sound in my ears on Sunday morning. Hmm. The low rumble of conversations and laughter and kids running around of people 20 minutes after the service hmm. who, you know, in about 15 minutes, we're going to have to ask them to leave the room because we have another service coming on. You know, it's just, that is, oh, that's so great. And you can't plan that. No, but it's it's a lovely thing to behold. Um there's a danger for, for any of us in church work um, when there isn't another service coming in after the one we've we've just finished. And I've, I've seen this a, a few times in different churches where I've been involved where you, you try and give people a hint it's time to move on now. Mm -hmm. And I've, I remember one of the churches I worked at, one of the people who sort of was on lockup duty would just start to dim the lights a bit and a kind of, come on guys, some of us have got to get home. And I remember thinking, no, we actually... We, we want people to be sticking around and talking this this is really a, this is a significant part of church yes um this is where a lot of that one another ministry in the new testament happens is happening right now exactly so let, let's never ha you know if you've got a service the next service starting in two minutes that's different but if if you don't let's not hurry that yes and even in the and you and i've talked about this before even in our architecture of of church buildings as far as we can control that many of us can't but to try to have the space where people can get stuck on their way out of church. Absolutely. Um, little areas where it's easy just to step aside and have a conversation with someone, that kind of thing. Let's make it in a really positive way hard to leave the building. Yes, I totally believe in that. I mean, I, I believe in the the ministry of lingering Yeah, and we used to have a, a men's community at Emmanuel Rand whenever I became Whenever I first started attending Emmanuel, Ray would teach 50 or 60 guys, uh, kind of get into a circle and do theology for an hour. Hmm. And it was great. I mean, it was where we stumbled into a lot of the discoveries of gospel culture by hmm. just, you know, for instance, happening on 1 John 1, 7 and then saying, well, let's just do this. Let's walk yeah. in the light. So, so many good things in my life flowed out of that one hour time. But at least as many good things flowed out of the two-hour time of us afterwards, <laughs> us young guys. I didn't have kids then, you know. It, they were, it was easier to linger. But we would, we would gather in the parking lot or, or wherever, and we would just digest things, mm. talk about things, and pray for one another. And deep friendships formed, but even more than that, was spiritual formation was happening. Yeah. And you never could have put it in a program. It had hmm. to flow out of the programmed ministry. Yeah, um, but man, that was—it's I, I, hard to overstate how much that shaped me. Yeah, I wish I'd been around then. That sounds like an amazing time. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, TJ, I, I know that for some pastors, just the very fact of being a pastor can be isolating. Yes, sometimes you don't quite know how much you can really be fully open with people in your church. There's always that sort of slight. Can I, you know, as a, as a pastor, do I need to keep a bit of a diff distance? Um, it can feel quite isolating. Any thoughts on that? Well, 
I, it's a comfort to me that um, there's not a verse in the Bible that says that your friend has to be someone at your church. Hmm. And maybe it's better if they're not, and depending on your church context. Um, another comfort is that you, you don't actually need a lot of friends. Yeah. You need a close friend. Yeah. So I would just say, you know, pray, ask God to send you that person. And when it becomes clear, okay, here's someone that I can go deep with and they, you know, they want to do the same thing. Um, I think it was Shakespeare who said something like, you know, bind them to your soul with hoops of steel. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, do whatever it takes. I it actually drew Hunter's uh, book on friendship. I've heard, I haven't read it is um, wonderful, but I did hear Drew give a, a talk about friendship. He gave it to the Emmanuel men and he talked about the commitment that he was making. He was driving some hours. I don't know how many, but some hours uh, each month to nurture friendships. Mm. And he recognized that it is worth it and it takes that. Mm. So I would, I, w- I would just encourage the pastor that you, you know, you need it. You know, you're not going to make it without it. And it's going to be costly, and it's totally worth it. I know two two pastors back in England who have been good friends for a number of years, um, and they've they've sort of made a, an informal agreement between them, in as much as they can control these things, and we can't always. But they've they have said, each of them has said to the other, "I'm going to do everything I can." You know, and anytime I, I need to to move or move house or change job or whatever. It is in as much as it is in my control, I'm going to try to be within two hours of you. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, which I just love that. They, wow. they may not see each other like every week or something, but just to feel as though actually I, I need this person in my in my orbit. Yes. And therefore, actually, that's a big enough deal that it will shape some of the life decisions I may make. Absolutely. Um, that book by Drew Hunter um, is, a, is a good opportunity for, for me, as always, to thank Crossway for what they do. One of the things they're doing right now is is helping us get this podcast going and, and sponsoring it. So we're very thankful to them for that. Um, but that book is called Made for Friendship by Drew Hunter. That's right. Um, I also want to read it and haven't yet, <laughs> but can cheerfully recommend it confidently because I know Ray um, often raves about that book. Yes. Um, and I've heard many other people be profoundly helped by it. So that that would be a resource I think all of us would would do well to to look at TJ, let me just honour you by by saying how deeply thankful to God I am for you. It's yeah. it's one of His graces to me is to have you as a friend and to have you as a pastor. I I, I pinch myself. Oh, so thankful. Likewise, dear brother, I'm so grateful for your friendship. Well, thanks for being with us, and thank you all for for listening. And we'll, we'll see you next time. You're not crazy is a podcast from the Gospel Coalition. Hosted by Ray Ortland and Sam Alberry. Produced and edited by Andrew LaPara. Check out more podcast shows from TGC at tgc.org forward slash podcasts.